0: listening to The Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities, in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness, with your host, Rafika and Brother James. <clears throat>
1: Welcome to another edition of The Financial Key with our special guest host, Haru Niket. And I'm Rafika, your host, and my co-host, Brother James, is here. Brother James is a little bit under the weather today, so he's going to come in at some point in the show, not right away, but we expect him here. we got a few callers on the line. I'd like to welcome them to the Keys 107 Network. Uh, Haru has got a power-packed show for you today about growth and wildly profit from your own business in the new economy. And he's going to explain just what he means by the new economy in just a moment. Before we get started on our topic today, I'd like to remind everybody that the Keys 107 Network is going to Grenada We are in the the planning stages of getting the airfares together, which we can't lock that price in until January. So we have been getting a tremendous response from Patrick Dell's videos on the the Facebook group. And in Patrick's um, Facebook, all of the callers, hold tight, hang in there. We're going to have that full package together for you. But the dates are set. It is going to be uh, December 22nd through the 30th. Two thousand sixteen in Grenada. The topic is Live Your Best Life Health Retreat. So I'm very excited to be able to offer workshops on men's health, on women's health, on colon health. And and also those of you who tuned in last week, Medea Allen, the organic the organic soul chef was here. And she was talking about her upcoming seven-day juice fast, in, of which the Keys Network, uh, Brother James and myself, will be joining Medea and her family of health-conscious people to do this seven-day fast that helps to open the different chakras in your body. If you are interested in finding out more information, just uh, log on to www.theorganicsoulchef.com and sign up. You get a special discount if you sign up before December thirtieth. I believe I hear my co host Brother James. Welcome Brother James.
2: Thank you, Sister Rafika. You're doing a wonderful job in welcoming our um listening audience and it seems like there's a lot of people online today because this topic is so timely so, we really want to get right into it. It's the how to choose and grow a wildly profit from your business with Haru Naket. And I can't wait to hear all of which he's going to cover today because he is so thorough in his approach to dealing with financial matters that it's incumbent upon each one of us to go ahead and grab that pen and that <laughs> pad and, and get ready to um, jot down all the jewels and then get ready. Put them all in practice. I'm, so I'm your think, co-host. I'm sorry, Fika. That,
1: no, no, go ahead.
2: And I, I, I'm also a student in the classroom here at the Keys 107.
1: Well, I was going to suggest that we just go ahead and do the healthy tip of the day. Get that, um, get that playing, and then we can just spend all that time with Haru and our listening audience.
2: Well, I think that's a healthy choice. <laughs> The keys 107 and presents the healthy tip of the day.
3: The healthy tip of the day is to dance in the kitchen. Dancing in the kitchen while preparing meals is a great way to bring the fun and joy back to cooking. And food prepared with joy and love carries a higher and healing vibration. An easy way to start dancing in the kitchen is to play your all-time favorite music while cooking. Dancing to your favorite songs in the kitchen while cooking can transform cooking from a chore that you have to do to a fun activity that you can't wait to do, which can uplift the entire meal at dinner time. Today's healthy tip of the day has been brought to you by Organic Soul Chef Medea Allen. For more healthy lifestyle tips, visit me online at OrganicSoulChef.com. dot com.
1: And before I forget, that wonderful music that you hear supporting and backing up, Medea Allen is by none other than South Africa's Pride and Joy, Ernie J. Smith. So, uh, Haru, your mic is live. Check in. Welcome to the key. I'm here. Thank you.
2: Greetings, my brother. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. Good, good. Looking forward to today's session with you. All right. So how do we begin this wonderful session today?
4: Well, I mean, I really want to start. This is exciting for me because it's um, a topic that's really dear to my heart. I'm what you call a serial entrepreneur. Um, (laughs) You know, I've had, you know, I just love entrepreneurship. I've had businesses ranging from uh, clothing and electronics store in the Gambia to the number one hostel in New York to, you know, um, a financial consulting business, a martial arts school. I had a partnership in a a real estate brokerage. I mean, I just had such a vast array of different business experiences and, and, um, you know, have learned so much uh, just through that experience. And I've done that when the economy was great. I've done that when the economy was terrible. I've done that in the new economy. So, you know, I have a lot to share. And, you know, we have to really redefine what business looks like. You know, there are a lot of myths centered around business and a lot of really obsolete ideas. And, you know, one thing we have to understand is that, the recession actually accelerated the obsolescence of a lot of business concepts and ideas that were already on the verge of of obsolescence. And so we emerged from that in this new economy um, in what I call the age of innovation. So the age of innovation, which is the transition from the age of information, you know, information um, is so readily available and so low cost now that it's not really profitable for people to sell the information, but, how people take that information to produce new products, services, and experiences um, is the way to make money today. And when I say that, the customer wants to have feedback. They want to have input and feedback in the experience of, of what they are paying for. So they want to have a hand in developing a the product. They want to have a hand in how the service is delivered. They want to have some say in, in the price point. They want to have a, a full experience. It, it's, they're integrated into the whole business concept. And so we have to really reorganize our thought pattern when it comes to business. Uh, One of the other great advancements is the advancement in technology now allows business to happen much more efficiently and less costly. So it takes a much shorter amount of time to be able to make a profit where years ago it might take five, six years to ramp up before you saw a significant profit. You can pretty much make a profit out of the gate now. The flip side is that is you know since we'll see profits faster than ever before, we'll see obsolescence faster than ever before too. So a business will take a meteoric rise to the top and then suddenly you know become obsolete. Um, one of the good things also though, is that what it used to take a large organization to be able to produce with a large amount of resources, maybe a brick and mortar building, um, a lot of employees, now an individual can replicate what it took a mega corporation to do in the past. Um, it has also created what we call a borderless economy, meaning that you have the ability to do business from home with anybody around the world. So it creates so many more opportunities where you might have been confined to your local area before. You have a, a global marketplace to sell to. You have a global um, uh, suppliers. You have global money to fund your business. So it's opened up so many opportunities for people to be able to thrive. So now is really the time to jump into the entrepreneurship world um if that's something that you have a desire for.
2: Mm. so you're saying there's no time like the present, right absolutely absolutely so we, if this, we, this we have a desire to, yes, if we have desire to jump into the pool of entrepreneurship, the water is nice and warm right now, yes, all right, okay, okay okay, um so. Uh, how do you go about um, deciding your purpose, your goal, uh, your exit strategies for the business? Well,
5: I when think, you, first you know, one
2: that. of the things is most most people
4: go into the business backwards. Um, you know, usually somebody has a, what they think is a great idea, and they try to run with it. And hopefully they make a profit. And that's really a backwards strategy. And I say you have to start at the end to really be able to do it properly. So first thing at first, you have to understand what the purpose of your business is. And if the primary purpose of your business is not to make a profit, then you're probably not trying to create a business. If the primary purpose of, of your business is to uh, pursue an idea or a dream at the expense of profits, then it's a hobby. If the mm. primary purpose of your business at the expense of profits is to help people, then it's a charity. You have to understand that the primary purpose of any business has to be to make a profit. If you can't make a profit, you can't help anybody else. If, you, if you, you're not making a profit, you're not going to be happy. And so you have to start there and understand what the, the whole goal of the business is. You have to make a profit. Then I say start at the end. When I say start at the end, you have to decide before you go in how much money you're trying to make. See, most people go into a business and whatever they make, they make. And that's that's a problem Mm. because that means you wasted time, energy, and effort on something that didn't produce the results that will make you happy. And so how do you determine that? You have to figure out first, you have to get your life in order. You have to figure out the type of lifestyle that you want to live. And when you figure out the type of lifestyle you want to live, you have to put a dollar value to it. What does it cost to finance the lifestyle that I want to live? that will tell you how much money you need to make. And so it doesn't make sense to pursue any business opportunity that's not going to bring you the results in in regards to the, the dollar amount that you're trying to make. The next thing you have to do is you have to create an exit strategy. And when I say create an exit strategy, there's no business in the world that will be viable forever. And so you have to figure out how you're going to get out of the business. So, how you decide you're going to get out of the business will determine how you choose to build the business and how much how much time, energy, and resources you put into the business. So, for instance, if your uh, exit strategy is to close down the business after a predetermined amount of time or after you reach a certain amount of revenue, no matter what, then that's how you start. You say, okay, in five years, I'm closing the business no matter what. Or um, when I reach a million dollars, you know, I'm going to close the business no matter what. And that will determine how much time, energy, and resources you put into it because you're not looking necessarily for something that's a little more permanent or something you're going to try to pass on to an heir. Um, You know, a different exit strategy might be um, I create this business with the idea from out the gate that I'm going to hire other people to run the business on a salary while I collect dividends as a major shareholder. That's going to set your business up totally different because in that regard, you're going to make sure you have certain systems in place immediately because you're not going to be so hands-on and micromanage, um, mm-hmm. your, right? Your, your edge strategy could be I'm going into this with the idea of selling my business for a profit once I can show that it's a, a good cash flow opportunity for someone else. And so everything you're going to do is try to hit high profits early. You're not going to put a lot into the infrastructure. You're not going to put a lot into the people. It's just about making a, a huge amount of cash flow so it looks attractive to a potential buyer. Um, you might create your, your business with the exit strategy of, well, I'm going to create a franchise model. I'm going to create a licensing agreement for my business so that others can use my system or my name. So you have to have those in mind first before you choose a business. There are, there are millions and millions of opportunities, but every opportunity is not an opportunity for you. You know, it's interesting. I had someone yesterday, just yesterday, asked me, he said, what do you think is a, a good business opportunity for me? What do you think the best business is for me? And you can't answer a question like that until you answer questions about yourself. Right. So, you know, once you figure out how you're going to get out, then you figure out how you're going to get in. Mm. So so is it your desire to start a business from scratch? You know, are you going to build this thing piece by piece from beginning to end? Mm -hmm. You know, that takes a a certain amount of uh, courage, risk, resources, you know, it takes it takes a lot to be able to start something from a concept to something that becomes profitable. Right. Um, you have to ask yourself, okay, am I going to – do I already have a business that I'm kind of doing and I want to expand it to make it larger? Do I want to innovate it? Do I want to completely shift it to something else and expand a, a current business model that I have? Um, I know a lot of people that do that, they start something small on the side, kind of like a hobby, kind of like a something to make a little extra money on the side, and then they decide they're going to grow it. So that's another way to do it. Um, it could be a business takeover, meaning that um, you're going to buy something that has already shown that it's profitable and has room for growth, and it's important that it's still viable. And I just and need to really emphasize that, that it's still viable. I don't know if, if people are familiar with the flip video. The Flip video came out in 20 about 2010 and it was a small uh pocket-sized device that did high definition video and it, it was easy to upload onto Facebook and YouTube and things like that. The and one with the
1: USB drive.
4: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It was the, it was it was the greatest thing in the world in in 2010. <laughs> yes. Um and it was inexpensive. You know, it was about 100 bucks and you know young people just they were buying it like crazy. And Cisco, which is a software company, decides to get into hardware and said, "We're going to buy the Flip Video from uh, a guy named Jonathan Kaplan, who actually created the Flip Video, and they paid him five hundred million dollars for the Flip Video." And a year later, there was no more Flip Video yeah. because smartphones came out. The iPhone replaced the Flip Video, and so there's a there's a lot of inherent risk in a business takeover too. Because even if it showed profitability, it has to show viability for the future too.
6: Right.
4: Um, you you might want to just forego all the the risk with uh, expanding a business or starting a business or taking it over by buying into a franchise. Um, you know, a franchise is, is different from starting your own because you're actually buying someone else's system. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the the fastest growing and least expensive. Uh, franchises in the country is CrossFit, you know, is, is growing like crazy. It costs a couple thousand dollars, maybe $2,000 or so to to actually buy a franchise. You take a week-long course and you open up a CrossFit. So um, subways are inexpensive. That's why you see them all over the place. But, again, there's, you have to worry about oversaturation, especially in a particular area when you do a franchise. And then there's licensing. Licensing is similar to a franchise except that, you pay someone for the ability to use their product or service, and a lot of times you can actually add your own brand to the product or service and be able to sell it. So, you know, you have to figure out those things first. Before you figure out the particular product or service, you have to figure out, um, again, you know, what's my purpose? How much money am I trying to make from this thing? How do I plan to get out of this thing because I'm not going to stay in it forever? And how do I plan to enter? And when you're comfortable with those things, then you can start easing into, well, how do I choose the the actual product or service that I'm going to sell? Mm. Mm. So, you know, when we we start looking at that, now we get to, okay, this is the the nitty-gritty, you know, what is it that's going to make me some money? And the first thing you have to do is look at it from the perspective of the customer. You have to be customer-centric. You know, if an idea just came from you and you think it's a great idea, um, nine times out of 10, it's going to fail. And, you know, And I, <laughs> I want to emphasize, this and it's the truth because, you know, about 2,500 businesses are started every single day in America. Mm-hmm. And about 90% of them fail in the first year. Wow. And, you know, there's a reason for that. It's, it's Just because you think it's a good idea doesn't mean anybody wants to pay for it. And so the first thing you have to ask yourself is, does my idea have the potential to solve a pressing problem? So once you've figured that out, because if if you're not solving a problem for people, then you're not going to make any money. So not only am I solving a problem, but does it also add value to the lives of people? Are they feeling like they're gaining from me solving this problem? And then we have to look at the next step, you know, are there very few barriers to entry? So if we just go back, when we look at just that that idea, the first three, um, am I solving a pressing problem? And, you know, I had a conversation with uh, one of my clients recently who's been, for the last several years, uh, working on bringing solar energy to different places uh, in third world countries. And when we looked at her struggle, is there a pressing problem? Absolutely, there's a pressing problem that people need um, you know clean energy Does it add value to people's lives Absolutely when a child can now Read a book at night When you know someone can um, You know have lights in their home Or you know different types of energy In their home of course it, it adds value to people's lives But then when we look at the next thing Barriers to entry When we look at Perhaps um, Government regulations The cost of the of the solar panels when we look at the competition from China, when we look at people's customers' attitudes, they're not accustomed to having to pay for a service. When we look at the delivery barriers, it creates so many barriers to entry that it becomes difficult to profit from that particular idea. It, it seemed like a great idea because it's solving a problem and adding value, but there's so many barriers to entry that it's difficult to profit from that idea. And so every, every problem is not worth solving. So even though our business idea has to solve a problem, we have to understand that every problem is not worth, and when I say worth it, I mean worth it in terms of dollar value, in terms of being able to make a profit. If you can't make a profit from it, remember, you're, it's either a hobby or it's charity. And so if she makes a ton of money from something else and wants to pretty much give away the solar energy, then that's a great thing. Um so remember, it has to have the potential, again, to create profits that you desire. And here's the last thing. You have to feel good about owning it. You know, I say profit is, is the primary reason, but if you don't feel good about how you're making a profit, you probably shouldn't do it. So mm. how do we decide? Yeah, you know, that, and, that, and that's important because you got to live with that. You know, um, to make a profit at the expense of your, your morals and your values, And you know there are so many other opportunities for you to make money. You don't have to do that. You never have to compromise who you are to be able to make a profit. There are just so many opportunities in the world that you you should never have to do that. So, how do you then choose this this idea? How do how do you know that it's solving a pressing problem and adds value? You have to listen to what potential customers say, and you have to watch. Even more importantly what they do because people sometimes will say, yeah, I, I want this, but are they spending money on that? Um, so you have to, when I say, listen, there are a lot of different ways to do that. You know, you can look at, at social trends. You can look at different resources like uh Google trends for, for instance, if you look on Google trends, which is a great resource, by the way, everybody should write that down. But if you go on Google trends, it will tell you all the top searches in various areas. Um, whether you just look at the United States or you look internationally, it'll tell you what people are searching for. It'll tell you what's trending on Google. Um, so that's a great opportunity to look at that. Uh, also, suvel.com, which is S-O-O-V-L-E.com, pretty much does the same thing. All the different the top search words, it'll tell you what people are looking for. So that, that gives you an idea of what people are, are doing and not so much just what they're, they're saying. Um, you also should pay attention to the news. And when I say pay attention to the news, pay attention to to different things that are pressing. Um whether it's major social trends, um, like the legalization of marijuana is spreading. It started in in, in the West in Colorado and you know, it's on the table in several other states, you know, so um if that fits in your value system, the legalization of, of, of marijuana is an important trend. Um same sex marriage is is spreading Um, So, And I told people when it came to New York, I said, you know, there's going to be a huge market for wedding planning for gay couples. That's (laughs) a specific demographic. It's a very niche demographic, and it's underserved, and it's going to grow um, as it becomes more and more acceptable. Um, You also have to look at things like the population shift. And when I say population shift, baby boomers are retiring uh, rapidly now. Baby boomers are dying now. Baby boomers have major medical issues that are associated with age. Um, baby boomers have relationship needs. Um, so how do, you, how do you deal with that demographic specifically? Um, there was also a second baby boom in 2007. We had more babies born in 2007 than any other time since the last baby boom. And so at what age are those children that were born in 2007 now, and what would they need? What, are, what do they require? Um, there's also, you know, locally people are are talking about demographic shifts where, uh, like in New York, it, everybody's talking about gentrification. There's a large influx of um, Europeans coming into New York who are working in the tech industry that's come to New York. So what are the needs of this influx of people? How do you profit from this, this change that you can't stop? Um, we have to start looking at uh, – competitors in in certain areas so uh and when i say competitors and i say that to look for complementary products and services so for instance if we know that uh let's say somebody has a golf company for instance just out of the blue say they have a golf company people need certain things they're going to need golf clubs golf shoes golf membership videos um you know magazines they're going to need a a whole host of things so you you can look at an industry and see what complementary products can service that that same industry where maybe it's underserved in that area. Uh, You can also look for global opportunities. There are emerging economies around the world, and they need a lot of things in regards to infrastructure. And so a lot of times we don't realize what infrastructure is. Infrastructure is energy, freight, hazard waste, hospitals, uh, parks. Transportation, housing, schools, roads, sanitation, sewage, um, telecommunications, water supply The list goes on and on and on There's so many things that these emerging economies need that you can uh, find a way to uh, profit from Whether you're the actual provider or, again, peripheral things from that thing that you provide So there are so many different ways that you can find, you know, a particular product or service just by paying attention um, there are also ways that you can do it just from being on Facebook. Most of the people that are listening are on Facebook, and you can start a particular page for something. I had a, a client of mine uh, a couple years ago wanted to start a T-shirt line, and it was a very, very niche T-shirt line that had to do with um, uh, a particular ethnic group. And I said, wait, before you invest all this money, start, you can start a Facebook page and see if you can build up a following on there first. And then start asking people, would you be interested in the T-shirts? And show images of the graphics of the T-shirts. Get feedback. You can get real-time feedback for free before you invest a dime. And luckily she did that, and she realized, well, you know what, That maybe this idea is not so good because I'm not getting the numbers that I would require to, to uh, decide to invest that type of money. Um, you can check out YouTube Trends. You can check out uh, Elance.com is a phenomenal site. Uh, where it has independent contractors that get contracted from people from all over the world. They have a tiny little link on the bottom that says trends, and it tells you what people in the world are looking for. And so, you know, one of their top things is um, IT and and translation and things like that. You can start a a business in those areas where it's already showing you that there's a huge demographic willing to pay for that. Um, You can check out the SRDS, the Standard Rate and Data Service. If you go on SRDS.com, um you can you know go on there um you can do surveys of your own and your particular demographic with SurveyMonkey. um you can also there's a um phenomenal website called producthunt.com and on producthunt.com it tells you all the different products that are trending mm. so you can you know choose something that's that's there um a good resource for that too is startupdigest.com you can go on there it everything you really need to know about getting started from scratch um, they have great articles and, and things on there on StartupDigest.com. dot com. So, you know, Peru,
6: yes.
1: That uh, one that you mentioned a little earlier when you was talking about the Google Trends, um, what is it? It's yeah. S O L V.
4: S O O V L E. dot com. It's dot com Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there, you know, like I said, there there are so many different ways if you just pay attention. Um, you know, there's really no reason for you not to, to choose, at least to start, you know, with an idea that makes sense that people already uh, have a demand for. You know, something that just pops up out of your head, usually it's not a good idea. So once you've, once you've figured out basically the a, a type of product you want, you have to really niche down to the target market that you want to sell to. Uh, a lot of times we have no idea. We just In our minds, we just want to do business to consumer. Um, And business to to consumer usually is low volume and high. But you also have to understand that there are other ways to sell. You can sell business to business. There are businesses that need things that you can sell them to. Um, There is business to government. There are things that governments, whether it be a a local municipality or a federal government, that they need. Um, The difference is business to business and business to government is usually high volume but lower cost. And so you have to decide, do I want to put out this high volume at a lower cost and make it that way, or do I want to sell less and, and charge higher to consumers? Um, you also have to decide, is your, your target demographic going to be local? Is it going to be national? Or is it going to be international? Is it going to be a combination of all all those things? Because that's going to dictate how you create the product, but also how you market the product. Because, in different regions, people expect a different type of service, they expect a different price point, they expect a different type of delivery, they expect a different type of marketing. And so when I say create a niche, there are certain things you're going to look at. you got to look at the demographics. When I say demographics, um, is it male, is it female, is it a combination of both? What's the age range? There's nothing that you can sell to every age range. Each age group. Uh, requires a different marketing message, a different delivery system, a different price point. Um, What are the psychographics? And let's say psychographics, what is it that keeps them up at night? What are they in the bed thinking about um, uh, in terms of a problem that you can solve? What are their spendographics? What are their spending habits? What have they shown that they spend money on? Uh, What are their objections usually to being sold certain things? Uh, What is their product or delivery uh, preference, the service preference, the delivery preference? Um, Some people like to have it right on their Smartphone some people like it on their their Laptop some people want it In the mail some people want to go to a Store you have to figure out what Your demographic wants how large is that That market that demographic And what are the geographic restrictions Is it possible to sell ice cubes In Alaska maybe not (laughs) (laughs) So you have To you know figure these things out Um, And the question you have to Really figure out is Does your target demographic recognize that the problem that you're trying to solve because sometimes you're not aware of it. You know, people mm. have tried to sell things. They say, yeah, they'll try to sell you things all the time. It's like, um, I don't want to call anybody up, But the people will try to sell you things, and they'll they'll tell you what statistics show that X, Y, and Z is going to happen in your lifetime, and you need this. But people don't want to deal with that. Uh, and I'll give you a good example. I was going to use a different one. But I had a friend who was selling uh, estate planning uh, meaning, he was selling a service where they'll do your will, they'll plan your funeral, they'll, they'll create a trust, and do all these things while you're alive. And people didn't want to deal with that. It's a reality that we're all going to die, but nobody wants to come to grips with their own mortality when they're feeling healthy and well.
6: Mm-hmm. And so
4: business didn't. Right. So, you know, do people want to do want to pay for that? Not necessarily. Um, and then. The other question is will they if they even recognize that there's a problem will they buy the solution from you why would they choose you and so you have to look at that also um a couple of more resources if you're going to do international business a good place to look uh for opportunities go to the CIA fact book the CIA fact book is just what it sounds like um the central intelligence agency does research on a lot of different countries, and they tell you what their commodities are, what they buy, what they sell, what their stability of the government is, um, the type of things that people want. They have all that information right there, and it's free because um, your tax dollars paid for it. So that's a good way to look at some different international opportunities. Um, you can also, for international opportunities, go to uh, www.embassy-online.net, and it's the foreign embassies of different countries and if you click on them they'll tell you about business opportunities in their countries and how to get started in business there um you can also look for the american chamber of commerce abroad and that website is www.uschamber.com slash international slash directory and you know there are believe it or not there are american chambers of commerce in, in many different countries around the world and it's a good resource um for you if you're going to do international business.
1: So Haru, I think this is a good time to recap on some of the points you hit today because, I, I, I don't know, I got four pieces of paper here and I'm, I forgot <laughs> to number them. But, you know, my pen is writing as fast as you speak. I'm getting better at that. So you talked about to um, understand the primary purpose of, of the business, and you, you said that you should start from the back, which I think the thinking process that most people have when they when they're thinking about going into business, becoming an entrepreneur, doing for self, is just start the business and see where it where it falls. But you're saying that you should identify um, first, recognize that the business is only for profit. That is why you're in business. Which is it sounds like you shouldn't have to say that, but
4: you're right. Right, and and I say the primary purpose. I mean, you'll get other things from it, but that's number one. If it doesn't make a profit, then, it's, like I said, it's not a business. So, you know, I, I can't emphasize that enough. You have to make a profit or you won't be in business long.
1: And that's okay because once you identify what your purpose is, and maybe your purpose for, for what you want to start is not, profit then that's okay but then don't call it a business is that correct 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 if
4: that's that's what you want to do make right make that simple make money somewhere else so you can finance your dreams
1: there you go there you go um i like your point here this is what we talk about a lot in the keys and we even use this as a lot of a lot of our um promotions get your life in order know the lifestyle you want to live. And you talked in in one of our earlier shows about envisioning how you want to live, and you said if you can envision how you want to live, then it can certainly help you identify what your profit should be.
4: And, you know, most people don't take that that time, you know, um, to really figure out what it would cost to finance the life that they want to live. You know, some people say, I want to travel more. Okay, well, what does it take to travel to the places that you want to travel to? What does it take to be able to take that time off? What, how much does it cost to, to have the house, that, the dream house that you want to live in? How much does it cost to have the, the material things that you want? How much does it cost to eat the way you want to eat? Uh, you have to put a dollars and cents number to that. Otherwise, you're going to settle for whatever that you can get from whatever money you make. And that, that's a horrible way to live.
1: And you have to be honest, Haru. You have to be yes. absolutely honest. You have to look at yes. every dollar you spend because if you don't look at it that way, when you're when you're trying to figure out what your bottom line is, in other words, you cannot make any less than this to right. to, to 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 um supply your dream life. If you don't know what that is, and let's say you forgot about that, that pretty Mercedes that you want to drive and that Mercedes <laughs> may cost you Four hundred and fifty dollars, and you forgot to put that in the budget. Well, you're going to be off.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and then you talked about creating an exit strategy, and I like that because what you're saying is that a business doesn't last forever, and you should right. have some kind of timelines in, or how you're going to get out of the business. And then you says that determines how much time and resources you're going to have to invest in making that business healthy. And you one said when the, the you figure mistakes. out. Go ahead. Okay. No, you said when you figure that, that people, out.
6: I'm sorry. Go <laughs> go we got so
1: much to say. It's okay. You go.
4: <laughs> no, I've been talking all the time. Go ahead.
1: No. <laughs> you said um, when you could determine um, your exit strategy, that's going to help you. No help help when you determine how to get out, that's gonna help you determine how to get into the business and i and I like that. I think we need to flesh that out a little bit more too and then you talked about being customer centric um every good idea is not necessarily fodder for a good business oh my goodness i I can like applaud you for that saying that because it is so true
4: so we how, many, how many how of- many
1: times have people tried to start a business? And like nail salons for example. I mean really. Right. You've got four <laughs> nail salons in a, in a three block radius. Right. Should you really open a nail salon on that on in that in that area?
4: Which is crazy, you know. I, I don't know if in their mind they thought they were gonna steal all the customers from someplace else, but that's just you know ridiculous, um, uh, to be able to do that. Um uh, and we see a lot of that, you know, uh people just jump on somebody else's idea, but, you know, even if you got half of the customers, you're only going to make half the money that they made before. So that that doesn't really make a lot of sense. So, you know, that that exit strategy, you know, is is really important. Unfortunately, most people will stay in a business far too long. Mm -hmm. Um, The signs will usually appear that a business is dying, and you should never put a single penny – or any extra time into a business that's dying. When it's time to go, it's time to go. Mm. You know that's part of the problem about being emotionally attached to your business. You know you you can't be emotionally attached to a business, or you're not going to be able to change it uh, to to what the market wants. You know um, you know, and we see that a lot. You know the world is constantly changing, and you can't stop that. People's desires are changing. How they want things to delivered are changing constantly. You can't change that. But if you hang on to that old model and you just keep dumping money into it and dumping time into it, and it's already past, it's a, you're gonna lose everything, you know. And so, so, you so have what if somebody,
1: what if somebody comes up to you and and says, "Listen, I I see you have a business here, and um, I notice that you don't have a very strong marketing presence on social media, and I can tell you, if you just kick up a notch, your social media presence." I, your business, you will see a higher rate of profit should you take a chance?
4: Well, you have to know your demographic. If your demographic is not on social media, then it, it doesn't make an ounce of sense. But if you saw that your that all of your customers are on social media and in your in your competitors are on social media and doing well, then perhaps it makes sense. But if if you're looking at a demographic, let's say you're looking at some of the baby boomers, some of the baby boomers are just now getting involved with social media. And so they don't make most of their their purchases based upon what they see on, on social media. They still read newspapers. They still watch television. Um, mm. You know, they don't even get the, so, you know, for somebody to say, you know, social media, that's not always the answer. You know, even with international business, I've had a business in the Gambia, and um, just now, you know, I see some people that I knew from 10 years ago, now they're on social media. Um they didn't have that ability because they didn't have computers at home they didn't have electricity everywhere they didn't have a signal everywhere, and so that wasn't necessarily the best strategy for doing business where I was so it wouldn't have made a difference doing business in the Gambia if I was on social media there's no wow. one size there's no one size fits all solution if it was that easy, everybody would be profitable.
1: Wow. Um, Haru, we have a lot of callers on the line. We have a couple of people in the Blog Talk radio chat room. And just want to let our listeners know, um, those of you who are listening in via the link, you can call in at 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618, and jump in on the conversation. Just press 1 on your keypad. And uh, Haru is here to just answer your questions. We have a lot of things we want to cover today, but if you have a specific question about a business that you're thinking about or a business that you've already started and you just need some tips, uh, call in. Uh, We're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the um, value hypothesis. And I also want want to go a little bit into defining just what is the new economy. So hold tight. We'll be right back.
6: The Keys 107 will be right back.
0: For fashions that bring out the best in you, go to moon107.com. That's M-A-U-N 107.com. We feature organic hair and skin products, pink Himalayan sea salt, women tunic tops, children's books, jewelry, organite visit us on the web at moon107.com m a n 107.com the first hour of the moon. Fluff presents the alphabet is available on amazon.com and on kindle But so get your copy today for more information go to www.theflufffamily.com
5: rafika consultants and services technology trainers do you need help making your computer or smartphone work for you Whether it's managing your email, navigating Windows 8, working with MS Office, creating videos for YouTube, or any other technology need, our friendly and expert trainers are ready to help you get it right. We also provide public relations and web design project management. For more information, contact us at www.RafikaCS.com or on Facebook at Rafika Consultants and Services.
2: Back to the Keys, 107, with your host, Rafika and Brother
6: James.
2: Well, we're All back, right. folks. We're hey, back, Brother folks. James. We just <laughs> want, yes, just want to let y'all know that today's show is sponsored by Rafika Consultants and Services. And also, we want you to keep in mind, buy black. You know, let's boycott Christmas, keep that money in your pocket, and increase your economy, your black economy. All right, Fiki, I hope you held on to the last thought to go further into discussion with Haru Niket, our financial um, guru and analyst. Um, Continue on with this conversation. I really enjoy what I'm hearing.
1: Yes, sir. Haru, we have our marching orders.
4: All right. So (laughs) you wanted me to talk about the the new economy a little bit more?
1: Absolutely. Um,
4: The new economy, that term new economy is a term that, really got popularized in the 1990s when we saw the the evolution of the Internet. And that marked the beginning of a transition from a manufacturing-based economy to what we call a service-based economy. And, you know, I'd say that was the beginning because really the uh, recession, like I said, accelerated the obsolescence of so many different things. That's why so many people came out of it unemployable, um, because so many industries just became obsolete and so many things that were done here were done so much more inexpensively overseas that those things got replaced. So now in the new service-based economy or the new economy, we see things like Uber taking off. We see things like Airbnb taking off. Um, you know, we, we start to see all these things that don't actually manufacture anything, but they solve a, solve a problem using technology. And so it's easier for us now because, again, we don't have to have a huge factory. We don't have to have a large uh, staff of employees. We don't have to have a lot of equipment. We don't have to have a large amount of startup money. Um, It makes it so much easier for for people to be able to profit um, because we've moved to that service-based economy that's based on technology that's interactive with the customer, where the customer has a say in the creation of the actual product or
2: service.
3: Got
1: it. So, you know, yeah. Okay. Let's jump right into a value hypothesis.
4: Okay. So I say you need to take a scientific approach to business. You know, you have to the, – the only emotion you should have is passion, you know, because um, you have to have a passion for, for success. You have to have a passion for, for what you do. But other than that, everything that you do in regards to creating this business has to be scientific. And anybody who's doing an experiment, because creating a business is basically an experiment, you have to create a hypothesis. And the value hypothesis, how you determining the value that your product or service provides uh, for your customers. And so you're taking a, 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 a stab at it and you say, well, how do I create value? You know, what what is it that my clients are going to get from this? And you can have more than one value hypothesis but it's how you believe your target market feels your product or service has value to them. Because if you can't figure that out, then you're not going to create the product properly. It's what is it that the, that my clients really want? You know, so when we look at Uber, like what was the difference between Uber and a car service? What was the difference between Uber and a yellow cab? Mm-hmm. Um, and so so what is the value? What is it that people are gaining that's different from that than what they were getting from before? And so you have to look at that. Um, And once you have this hypothesis, then you have to test it. You always have to test your assumptions and see, do the results live up to your assumptions? So that kind of goes into, you know, uh, one of the latest things when we talk about creating a minimum viable product. But, you know, you have to say, okay, you know, what is the value that I think people will get? And then when I actually put up product or service out, I have to get feedback immediately from my clients and, and see if what I thought was true. Are they getting getting value in that way? If not, then we're going to have to make some changes, mm-hmm. leads to, right? So kind of, like I said, leads into uh, – actually, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because this is important – to build a, a minimal viable product, what we call it MVP. It's like creating the prototype. And when you create the prototype, I think what people do is because they have a vision of what they want the product or service to look like and they haven't done the value hypothesis, they create far more than what's necessary to put it out there to test. If you notice what electronic companies do or what what software companies do, they put out a model and everybody says, oh, it's terrible. It's got bugs. No, they they put it out there to get the feedback. They created a minimal viable product. So – It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be functional enough to create some value that people will buy it. So no unnecessary bells and whistles. Um, And you can always add features later after you get feedback. Um, and, And you get feedback from what you call the early adopters. There's some people that will buy it. When they hear about it, they want the latest thing. And they will buy it, and they will give you feedback. And so you create that minimal viable product upon your value hypothesis, and you test it. But there's a rule in testing. You create small batches. Test small, you lose small. If you test big, you lose big. And just to give you an example of that, um, about small batch runs on your MVP, um, I had a a student of mine. I also have a martial arts school, so I I have to make uh, T-shirts for the classes all the time. And one of my students said, hey, you know, my my girlfriend, she's just starting up this business, and she can make the T-shirts for you, and she can do it less expensive than your supplier. And I said, okay, well, I'll give her a shot at it. And um, I sent her a whole load of, of t-shirts that were un- unprinted I got it wholesale, and what she did she called me crying on the phone, and I said, "Well, what happened?" And what she did was she printed because there was two sides she printed the front, and they were all messed up every single one of them mm. and she was crying i said well well that didn't that's not a good way to do business. Why didn't she print one on the front?" change the screen, flip it over, print it back, and see how one came out. And if she couldn't figure it out, then she can test it on a second one and see how it works instead of messing up the whole batch on one side and not even be able to do the second side. And so most people don't learn that. You have to test small. So if you lose, you'll lose small. Mm-hmm. So she lost the whole batch. And we, people do business that way. You can't do business like that. You have to create, like I said, the minimum viable product that, that creates value Get it out to your market, let them give you feedback, and make the changes then. You know, just imagine, you know, you see how robust a smartphone is now, but think back to when the first cell phones came out. You know, they didn't put them out with all the bells and whistles first. They had to put out a product and get feedback. They put a camera on it. I thought, believe it or not, I thought a camera was the craziest idea in the world. I said, why would somebody put a camera on a cell phone. And at the time, it didn't really make sense. You couldn't do much with it. You could only show people on your phone. But then look how how much more it developed because they got feedback. Well, the camera's not a bad idea, but if we could just download it on our computer, then we could have it. Okay, a camera's not a bad idea, but the pictures are horrible. Maybe you can increase the the pixels on there and make it better. And it's gotten so phenomenal now. Nobody pretty much has a regular camera anymore. You're right. And so you know, and and that's how it starts. You 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 create the minimal viable product, you get feedback, and your and your demographic will always tell you what they want. You know, we have to look at the way things have changed. Um, even if we look at simple things like how Dell changed the computer industry. You know, there was a time where you got a computer and whatever was on it was on it. And then Dell said, no, you know, people should have a, a say in what they actually want on it. And you went on the computer and you built the computer that you wanted and they sent it to you. Right. You know, um, Nike did the same thing. You know, you could, the kids go on a computer and they actually design their own sneaker. And that sneaker is, is made and sent to them. You know, so we have to, you know, really think like that. We have to say, okay, what is our value hypothesis? You know, let's create this minimal viable product. Let's send it out to people, get the feedback, and we'll make the changes based on this a, on the a small-scale testing. Um, because once you do that and you get your feedback, it goes into the next thing, which we call the growth hypothesis. You know, once your product is, is or service is up and running, how are you going to spread it beyond the early adopters? Because it's different marketing to early adopters because they're usually excited about the latest thing anyway. Any new thing in yeah. their area of interest, right, they're going to buy it. But there are other people who are much more reluctant. You know, they're on the fence. They're like, yeah, you know, I like it, but I don't know. So how how am I going to spread this, you know? How am I going to get it to my customers? I have to take into account that, you know, again, early adopters are totally different than non-early adopters. Yeah. So I have to consider the habits, the preferences, um, the the primary advertising means that that they use. Um, you don't know, have to look at. Am I going to use paid methods to reach you? Am I going to use unpaid methods to reach you? Am I, am I going to use a combination? Am I going to do this online? Am I going to do? it? You know how am I going to reach uh, the people that I need to reach so that I can grow this this idea? Once I've reached, you know, beyond the, the early adopters. So that goes into the next. So, like part anything of, with uh,
1: technology, haru. Um the early adopters are in it because that that personality that that person who has already bought into technology has to have the latest thing, no matter what, and it's, exactly. it, it's obsessive, so you know that if you come out with anything technology wise that enhances the early adopters, you have a a a open market that's demographic or uh defined already,
4: mhm. And, and actually, you know, there's a, a a whole website for people that that like to test software and apps and technology. Um, it's called EarlyBird.com, but it's spelled really weird: It's E-R-L-I, Bird.com. So if you have you want to do that that testing of of software, apps, or technology, you know, they have the people that are early adopters who want to actually test it for you.
1: Oh. E R L I B I R D dot com. Right. Good. Okay, so we talked about the value hypothesis and the growth hypothesis. We yes. talked about the MVP. Yeah. Now let's move on to iterate.
4: Iterate. Iterate, again, another scientific term. And, you know, it, it's really testing now every aspect of your design, every aspect of your delivery system, every aspect of your business model, every aspect of your system. And so, you know, when we look at the term iterate uh, from a scientific perspective, it's, you know, when you repeat a process with the aim of approaching a desired goal. So we had our desired goal, which was our value hypothesis, our growth hypothesis, you know, and so now we have to make clear and tangible predictions about every single outcome. So our our business system, our business model, our um our product or service design, our marketing, our delivery method, our payment methods, you know, how does it work? I've I've done split testing on different payment methods where I changed the order of payments or I've changed the name. I've said, Okay, this is the gold, silver and platinum or oh, then I've changed it
2: to uh
4: platinum and diamond or changed it to and just changed the order and it's made a difference in terms of profitability. You have to test everything. And you know people tend to, to uh, minimize the value of that, but you have to test and test and test, and it's best to split test. When I say split test, put out two, let's say split your demographic in half, give one part of the demographic one way to do it, the other demographic another way, and see what results you get. Because if they're you know if they're, they're even in terms of you know the demographic if you put out, let's say you did a headline for your website and half the people that click on get it one way and half the people that click on get another way, uh, you see which which one gets down to the purchase part and buys, you know? So you'll be able to split test as much as possible, and then you have to document your results. And here's the thing, you have to test each little piece one by one because you won't know which change is the thing that made the difference. So that's a slow and meticulous process, but that's what's going to get you to a point where it's hard to fail.
6: So Well, I think you know, when yeah. it comes
1: to, to testing a product, um, I think in general, people that I've spoken to about starting a business and in conversation with people who are in business, that concept of testing the market, it, it has not come up. Hello, I'm here to tell you.
4: That's sad because <laughs> you have to do that. You have to you have to test, you have to get feedback and you have to pay attention. Otherwise you're not being customer centric. You know, again it goes back to being customer centric. What does the customer want to pay for? You know, uh what is it that they want? And so that's testing the colors of your logo, the design of your logo. It's testing the speech that you have when, when they uh when you answer the phone. You want to split test that. You know, when people come, if you go to McDonald's, they've mastered the speech. Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order, please? They know that works. They know Mm -hmm. when somebody asks for a burger that they upsell, you know, with the fries. They know if they upsell the fries, they upsell with a drink. You know, so they, they, they figured out the way to maximize profits, even from the speech. And they don't want you to deviate from that. And there's a reason. And so as you're creating your systems for your business, it's important that you test and you document that because you want to know it works. And as the attitudes of customers change, because we're going through a transition now, people are horrified about what's going on in the political world and in you know international world, then people's attitudes are going to change. When people's attitudes change, you have to change too. So you might have to change the language. So it's it's important that that, that happens all the time. And like I said, you have to analyze and document the results because whoever's working for you, you need to make sure they're using the right script. You need to make sure they're using the right process. You need to show, make sure your manufacturer is doing it exactly the way that you want it done. Um, people want a consistency of an experience, too. And so once you've tested it, uh, you, you need to make sure that's the way you're going to do it, because that's what people are going to look for. That's what made them have value. You
1: know, I'm just going to – I don't eat fast food, but mm-hmm. – People know that wherever they go, those fries in a particular fast food restaurant taste the same
6: mm-hmm. wherever
1: they go, and that and, that goes and that smell
4: is the same.
1: Oh my God! Yes,
4: smell is the same.
1: I don't know how they do that one, but. I don't oh, want to
4: know. <laughs> they do it. No, okay. I was going to tell you. There's a, no, it's is it bad? Chemical...
1: No, wait. Is it no? Bad? No, no, no. It's not.
4: It's not bad. There's a chemical company in, in New Jersey that makes the scent for the different fast food companies. So um, not only do the fries smell that way, the burger smells exactly the same way. Everything smells like the French fries. The French fries <laughs> is the major draw. So they made this uh, there's a chemical scent that they created to put in all the food that makes everything smell exactly like the French fries. So you could be driving a block away. And that scent is what will draw you to that place. You already know, you know. I know the place you're talking about. Um, yeah. Everybody smells it. You can smell it a mile away,
1: literally. You can.
4: Yeah.
6: Oh, and it's the same thing with an, the chicken places.
1: I mean, it, I'm laughing at it because I'm I am totally against that food, but it, it is it is ingenious marketing.
4: Yeah. And that came from testing. Because what made them decide to make it smell like the fries as opposed to making it smell like the burger, as opposed to making it smell like the apple pie? That was testing.
1: Mm. Mm. And then we go with them chemicals again, right? Okay, right. we're not going to go there because that's a whole other show. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, we, we began talking a little earlier about the um, shifting the directions, push through or abandon. And I think that goes into the comment you made when you said, Never put a single penny into a business that is failing.
4: After you've done all your testing and you've gotten your feedback, then you have to make a decision. Um, If everything is perfect, which it rarely is, then you do what we call a push-through. You just, you know, put it out there, go full force, dump your resources and everything into it because it's ready for the market. It's going to make the type of money that you want. Um, You know, again, that's rare. Most of the time you have to make what we call a strategic shift. Now, there are – dozens of ways to shift. So I won't necessarily cover I don't know how much time we have, um, if I can cover all the ways to shift, but there's just like I said, so many ways to shift. So for example, um there's a narrow focus shift, what we call a narrow focus shift, which means that what was previously considered a feature now becomes the actual whole product or service. There are some times when you thought um you know I have a this big product or this big service and I have multiple things in it that everybody wants the whole package, and you'll find out, no, they just really want this one piece. And so that one piece of it becomes the actual business. Uh, And I'll give you an example of that. I used to teach a a real estate course, and part of the real estate course, because so many people had issues with their credit, I used to, you know, say, well, you got to fix your credit, and we used to have have a little discussion on that. And people would say, well, you know, I, I really need a lot more help. And I actually created a product. Um, that, you know, help people fix their credit, you know, and that was, for years, that was one of my number one selling products. Um, and so sometimes, you know, what you think is valuable um, has less value than one little piece of the business or the service.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: And so you just shift from, you know, we're not manufacturing everything, and now we're just going to take it down to just one thing.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and, and sometimes you have the actual opposite of that, Um you know, where you, you take an expanded focus shift um, where what was the, the the whole product just becomes a single feature of an actual bigger product. So it's, it's actually going the opposite way where, you know, before this was the whole thing and now you realize that people want so much more and so you create a bigger product and what you thought was going to be your shift actually expanded into something larger because of the feedback that you got. Um sometimes you have to change the, the target market. Sometimes you discover that uh, the people that you thought were interested just aren't interested. And I'll give an example of that. Um, there was a, a medicine that came out that was intended for one particular demographic, and they got feedback from that demographic, and it said that they got an erection for hours, and it then became a, a, a Viagra, which – became a sexual enhancement drug. And so sometimes, you know, you think your target market, which is the target market that high, had, say, high cholesterol, was the target market, but no, now it's a whole different demographic. So you <laughs> shift the demographic and, and actually make way more money than you would have before. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we have, I'm sorry, okay.
1: No, no, go ahead. I was going to say something smart, but let's not, let's not go too far off topic. I was, I was trying hard to resist, Haru.
4: I mean, you got to get feedback. Once you get feedback, then you'll know. Okay, we need to change, and it happens sometimes. Uh, Viagra was actually a, a mistake. It was a, a it was a great mistake. Um, so Then we have what we call the customer desire shift. After you test it, you realize. Uh, the problem you were trying to solve wasn't very important to your target market. However, based on the feedback you get, uh, you discover that there's a different problem that's worth solving. So sometimes, again, that, that feedback is so important because the problem you thought you were solving is not important, but they let you know what the real problem is. Um, and there's, like, so many more with the strategic shifts. Um, there's a growth engine shift, you know, where – you, you figured out your your growth hypothesis was wrong, and so you have to shift it and find a new way. There's mm-hmm. your delivery, you know, your delivery method shift. Where sometimes you thought a product could be delivered one way, and people don't want it that way. It has to be delivered another way. Um, for me, that happened. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if you remember what three ring binders with with CDs was really important in the information industry, and I used to sell those like crazy, and. People say, "Why are you sending us this big giant book when you can just send it to us electronically?" The whole world has shifted, and my demographic didn't want it delivered in this giant three-ring binder anymore. And so, sometimes you have to shift the delivery delivery method uh, to to make sure your demographic still wants it. That's
1: a good uh, example. Kind of yeah,
4: in, yeah. Which goes also as a technology shift. Sometimes you discover a technology that allows you to to do it cheaper and easier, and that's a similar example. Um, you know, the computer was so much less expensive than, you know, mailing and buying all those debt paper and all those other things. Um,
1: so, it, you know. So well, you often, know what, even you know, even how you give information, so people who are used to listening to these type of shows that we present here on the Keys 107, especially with the financial Key, they're used to listening to it on terrestrial radio. And then right. there's a shift now in that people are now getting these shows on the Internet.
4: Right, And and it's important because a lot of people, and, again, I get a lot of feedback. People say, well, uh, you know, I might be out driving or I'm I'm be out somewhere. Can I listen to it on, on my phone? Absolutely you can listen to it on your phone. Or some people are just home on a computer. Can I do it on a computer? Absolutely. And so, you know, it becomes important, again, to get that feedback. You know, it's very rare that I've had anybody ask me, like you said, about terrestrial radio, you know, do I have to sit there and listen to it on the, on the radio? No. <laughs> you know, this is <laughs> – And and that's important because you know I I always talk to people who are in business now because you know it's always important to stay on top of the trends. And one of the best things that someone told me uh, last year, he told me, he said, "If you're not mobile ready, you're not ready."
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that goes that goes to your conversation about knowing your demographics, right? You know, young people operate on their cell phones. Uh They watch TV on their cell phone. Their whole entertainment is geared to their cell phone. They buy sneakers, like you said. They they get apps, whereas the the baby boomers are now getting into the apps and and becoming familiar and accustomed to doing things on the cell phone. I still speak to people, uh, Haru, and when I do my um, consultant business, who are not fluent with email. Right. I know it blows me away. I'm like, are you kidding?
4: Because, right, because that technology is almost obsolete now, and they haven't even caught up to it. You know?
1: No. There are people who don't know how to open and attach a file. So when you're talking about shifting, I think you have to be flexible in how you shift because you may shift one way in a growth shift and even a delivery shift that fits a particular demographic, but then you'll find out that you have to also shift to accommodate the wants and needs of another demographic that that, who, that are in the same category.
4: Right, right. That's, and a, a perfect example, someone asked me the other day for my fax number. They wanted to fax me something. I said a fax number.
6: <laughs> What's <laughs> who,
4: that? <laughs> who has a fax machine, right? So I said, well, can't you email it to me? Oh, no, I can't. So I, I was just baffled, like, who who has a fax now, you know? So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We have to pay attention to that. that that's crazy.
1: And you're um, right. So you have to be able yeah. to accommodate all of your customers. So can we uh jump right into um funding the business?
4: Okay, but let's one more strategic abandonment. This is really important.
1: Oh um, my goodness.
4: Yes. If you repeatedly tested and redesigned and you discover that you can't build a viable business around your product or service, you have to cut your losses and strategically abandon it. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to, again to no emotions attached. You have to look at it as I just saved myself the potential of losing a lot of money and a lot of time. All right. And then it's t- so there are times when you, again, you test it, test it, test it, and time to go. You just have, have to cut it off and try something else. And every biz- every entrepreneur is going to run into that business idea that you thought was the greatest thing in the world, yeah. and when you test it, you're going to discover it's not, and it's okay. That's part of the growing process. That's part of being an entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur is a numbers game. So uh, yeah, that's important.
1: So, but I've been there, go? Haru. I've been there. <laughs> um, you know, we we got product with one of our us uh, uh, the online store, and you know, we were new to the to the business, and we had we were told that we had to buy bulk, and we bought bulk, mm. we bought bulk. and we thought everybody yeah. wanted yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Yeah. A and a lot and of you know when we
1: that. when we did a test, when we did a test market, people said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, get that. That'll do good. I'll definitely be right. into that. I'll help support that." But you have to be careful of that kind of conversation.
4: Yeah. That's why I said earlier, it's more important to watch what they do than listen to what they say. Mm. You, know, you have to yeah. do they, do they already spend money on that? you didn't ask the right question.
1: That's a good point, Haru. <laughs> we'll write that down. <laughs> yes, that's right, so That's the bottom oh. line. I remember one person telling me, um, yeah, I can get that product in another store for like $10 less. Right. Right. I mean, what do you do with that? But again, before we close out that, that conversation about the uh, shifting and the abandonment, I want to say to our listening audience that you have to be open and receptive to shifting.
5: Yes.
4: And, again, that goes with taking the emotion out of it and being scientific. If your experiment shows you that the, you, you're not getting the results, you hypothesize. And...
1: Yes. Hmm. Well, we're here with the Keys 107, live with business consultant, and financial advisor, author, Karate? Um, should I say karate
4: or no? I don't do karate. I do an African martial art called Kupagani and Gumi, and I have another system called Tough System, which is a um, modern combative system. So not karate.
1: Okay. <laughs> very
4: niche market. Very niche market.
1: And you got videos on your Facebook page, but we
6: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Harun Niket is here to answer your questions. Um, I see a lot of callers here on the switchboard. I only see one with. Um, the number one press and we're going to give you an opportunity to call it in the 843 area code. We're going to give you an opportunity to speak to Haru in in a second. Let us just go into funding and then we're going to get to your question. If anybody else has a question or wants to make a comment, press the number one on your keypad and for those of you that are tuned in online and you want to call in, the number is 243 area code 213 area code, nine four three three six one eight two one three nine four three three six one eight. So we are here focusing on the financial key with Haruniket, as we said before, and we're talking about how to choose, grow, and wildly profit from your own business in the new economy. And then we're going to go right into funding your business.
4: Right. So funding your business is where a lot of people, um, I guess, run into the brick wall, because they don't really understand how to fund the business or how much even they need. And before I go into the the resources for funding a business, we have to look at, you know, what it takes to, to actually start the business. So you have to do your own homework and thoroughly determine every possible expense that you'll incur to get started building your MVP. Because remember, we're not worried so much about, uh, running the business yet, we haven't gotten that far because we don't know what the product or service is actually going to be or what it will look like at the end. So initially, you know, our whole focus is how much is it going to cost to create that MVP and, and and sustain the business during the testing phase. So it's better to overestimate the cost because sometimes we, we don't realize what it's going to take to do some of the shifts. So you have to come up with a budget for that and you know you you have to start looking at different resources so some of the things that you might look at early might be to crowdsource funding you know you might put it out to your your demographic that i have this phenomenal problem going to solve for you and i'm looking for uh donations basically to create the uh, uh, the prototype um you can look at micro loans micro loans are small loans up to $35,000 you can look at peer lending, like um, the Lending Club and things like that, where they'll lend you up to forty-five thousand dollars. So in the beginning, you need a small amount of money just to get you through that. You know, like I said, building the prototype in the testing phase. You know, once you've done all your testing, then you have to look at the numbers that, on a greater scale. At that point, you're going to start looking at angel investors or venture capitalists and things like that. Um, and actually is a, a, a resource for angel investors. If you go to com, it'll tell you how you can get in touch with, um, about 700 different angel investors, uh, that are, are looking for you know, that next big thing. So that's angellist, A-N-G-E-L-L-I-S-T.com. There are about 258,000, um, active angel investors in America. Mm. And so, the, yeah, there's no shortage of money. You know, um, so that's, that's something we want to look at. You want to look at venture capitalists. Now, the difference between a venture capitalist and an angel investor, usually a venture capitalist is after you've done your MVP and your small testing, they're going to put all their resources into it. They're going to take significant control and ownership uh, with the idea of cashing it out and selling it to someone else. That's why I said in the beginning, your exit strategy and how you get in will de- will determine how you build the business because with a venture capitalist, basically – it, you're not going to hold on to the business for a long time. You're going to show that it makes a profit. They're going to invest a bunch of money into it to, to make that grow a little more, and they're going to sell it to someone else in the long run. Um, another good resource, if you're in New York, uh, in the New York area, um, nylovesbiz.com is a great resource for finding different uh, funding sources. resources. That's dot uh, com. So, one thing you have to understand is that each of these funding sources has their own requirements to qualify. So you have to really, you know, look at each of them and investigate them thoroughly to make sure that they meet the requirements that, that you have for funding your business. Um they're minimally gonna ask you, you know, uh how much money you want, background related to you or the other owners, uh how the money's gonna be used. Um, why will customers buy your product, Um, how much money it has the potential to make, and how fast, because that's important to them, how much your return on investment will be and how fast they'll get their money. Um, You know, it's interesting. A good place to to really figure out what investors are looking for, if you watch Shark Tank,
6: Mm -hmm. they
4: ask the same questions over and over to the different people who have these MVPs, basically, and the people just, for some reason, most of them just, blow the answers, and they're asking the exact same questions. Have you tested it? Has it made any money already? How much skin in the game do you have? How much of your own money do you put into it? Um, who's your demographic? But they ask the exact same questions over and over, and people just blow it because they're so in love with the business um, that they're not seeing, you know, all those different things. And so you have to ask yourself, why would somebody want to invest in my business? And they're only going to invest in it because they think they're going to make a profit. That's it. They're not going to invest in it because they think it's a great idea. They want to make a profit. And so you have to be able to demonstrate that.
1: So you say you need to have that business plan done, huh?
4: I mean, you know, the business plan is interesting. You know, the business plan, per se, is an old model. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of investors, uh, they want to see a plan, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. But they're not going to base it so much on the plan if you haven't demonstrated some small success in in your testing. Plan, we have to understand a plan is just a snapshot in time and a prediction of the future, right? So you're you're basing your plan on the world as it is right now, and you're making a prediction. And usually a, a business plan is one to two years out. But what we have discovered is that the further ahead you project, the more likely you are to be wrong. Because the world changes so much. There could be natural disasters. There could be change in government policy. There could be change in social attitudes. There could be all these changes, changes in technology that make your thing obsolete. So the further ahead you project, the more likely you are to be way off. And so they're not going to look at the the plan so much as your testing and your okay. and your ability to show that you, you can be successful.
6: So, all, right. Uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I have
1: I have a lot of websites here that you gave out today. I've heard of the Angel list before. I've heard of the venture capitalists and I've never heard of the New York LoveBiz dot com before. But uh are there private sources that you can go to?
4: Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you if you Google Angel Investors or or Venture Capitalists, there they'll there'll be like I said, there's so many. There's thousands and tens of thousand hundreds hundreds of thousands. Um and again each is going to have their own criteria. Each like there's a lot of times well now it's changing, but traditionally in the West Coast they would do the tech industry. They weren't looking for some of the the more traditional businesses where the East Coast investors were looking more for traditional businesses or service type businesses, and now that's changing because uh the tech industry has come to the East Coast, so the, now they're open to, you know, investing in some of the technology stuff. So, you know, like I said, it used to be split in half. And now, you know, they just come together, and there's so many, so many opportunities. If you just watch Bloomberg TV, you'll see advertisements all the time for uh, investors that are looking to put money into your stuff. So, you know, so you have to start changing the the your sources of information too. If this is what you're into, then you need to go to those types of sources.
1: Right, change your source of information. <laughs>
4: Um, that's important. Yeah, Sometimes we try to learn from, from people who have never done it. You, you can't learn how to be successful in business from somebody who hasn't been successful in business. It just doesn't work.
1: Okay. So we have a few more minutes, um, Haru, and let's go right into your 12th point, uh, prepare for the inevitable decline in profit. Uh, the inevitable <laughs>
4: inevitable you know people don't like to hear that the inevitable decline in profits you know again we're living in a world where profits will be made faster than any other time in world history and we also live in a time where money will be lost faster than any other time in world history um as technology has changed so rapidly, and I, I'll give you an example again, even with my um, business where I do the, the teach classes and, you know, consulting, when I started teaching the classes in 2004, I had a dry erase board. That was, that was my means of delivering information. I had to keep erasing and, and write on it. And, then, you know, then I said, okay, let me get a little smarter. I had got an easel and a flip chart. And I wrote everything out ahead of time, and I was flipping, the, flipping it over, you know. And that was the latest technology. And then I said, okay, well, you know, this doesn't look so great. And I had a projector with the transparencies. I don't even know if people remember what that is. It just had this big <laughs> machine with a light, and you know, it had you had to make the transparencies and, and do that. And then I, they came out with the, uh, the, the projector where you can connect this to your computer. And you know, now they have HD project. Projectors with surround sound in them, you know, and and we're just talking about from 2004 to now 2015 How vastly the technology and the delivery changed just in in sharing information in a classroom And so, you know, we have to understand that the world is changing so rapidly and technology is changing so rapidly And people's attitudes and ideas about products and services is changing so much that it's impossible for any single business concept or idea to remain viable forever. You know, and sometimes we, because people are nostalgic, we want to hold on far longer than we should. Mm. But it's a mistake. You know, once once you've done your MVP and you've launched your product and you have a system for it to sell, you need to start looking for the next thing you got to go through this process all over again. you got to go back to the beginning and say, okay, what's next? Because once it hits its stride, that's it. It's not going anywhere from there. The only place for it to go is down. It's going to decline at that point. So you don't wait until it's dead before you try to find something new. the thing is riding high, you start looking for a new opportunity uh, to put your energy and your resources into. And so that mm. whole process starts again from the beginning. You know, because your lifestyle is going to change. You've already hit that that lifestyle, but nobody's ever content. So now what's the next level that I want to be on? What's the new income that I want to generate? What's the new thing that people want? What's the next problem that I'm going to solve? Am I going to, you know, the next thing, am I going to put all this time into it, or am I going to sell it? Am I going to stay local, or am I going to go international now? You know, you have to start doing that because your business is going to die. It's just the life cycle of a business and that life cycle is far shorter now than it's ever been
1: okay Um, Haru
0: yes
1: I think you you hit on a sensitive point here when you talked about (laughs) the inevitable decline Uh, you said earlier that no business lasts forever correct and you need to have an exit strategy Yes. So, in in planning your strategy or starting your business, you should think that there's going to be a decline, or or yes. is is that is that not always inevitable?
4: But, but no, I mean it's inevitable. But you don't have to wait for the decline. Is what I'm saying. I'm saying you should never wait for the decline to happen. Okay. You know you don't you don't want to wait until your profits are, are waning and you're struggling and you're dumping time, energy, and resources into something that you can't save. I'm saying when you if if you had an exit strategy that when this thing hits a million dollars I'm out no matter what then you're out at a million dollars no matter what you're on to the next thing, you know if you said I'm gonna you know get this MVP up and I'm gonna make it look so great I'm gonna sell it you sell it no matter what you just you get out you don't wait until the business fails to try to find something new it's debilitating to to fail, you know to build this thing from scratch and then and then just ride it until it dies and then you know, have to start all over. No, you start over before you get there. Jonathan Kaplan was the guy that sold the flip video. And just to, to give you a sense of his story, he saw, he, he built the flip video, had no emotional attachment to the flip video, sold it for $500 million
2: to hmm. Cisco.
4: Cisco blew it because their timing was off. Jonathan Kaplan was not married to that type of, of technology or that industry at all. He took his money and he created a restaurant called the melt. The melt he created in San Francisco in the tech industry by the tech industry for these young people who want to run in and out and get something quick. The melt sells grilled cheese sandwiches and soup, and they order and pay for it on their smartphone. And he boasts that he can get you in and out of the restaurant in 90 seconds or less. And so he, he, his idea for that to create a franchise model in other places that serve a similar demographic. I bet. He will sell that once it hits his peak of profitability and move on to something totally different. And that's the model you have to follow if you want to be successful.
1: So thinking about the advice that I heard from years back, when you're going to a business, do something that you're passionate in. Your passion is what will drive the business. So how do you how are you passionate? And this actually, I'm asking how are you how do you separate the passion from the emotion? So that if it's not working, even though you're passionate about, it, you got to just let it go. So how do you do that? Because I you don't have know. to be
4: passionate. You have to, as an entrepreneur, you have to be passionate about every aspect of the business. If you're just passionate about the final product, you're not going to do all the other things we talked about. Because who wants to sit there and and talk to the, the, the demographic and, and create a, a prototype and test it and do all these things, those things aren't exciting. But if you're passionate about being an entrepreneur, if you're passionate about the process of taking something from concept to profit, if you're, if you're excited about it, if you have that passion, that drive just to be successful, that, that's where the passion comes from. It doesn't come from a particular product or service. It's a good thing when people are happy with your product or service because that means they're going to pay for it. See, what we don't understand is that there's no business that makes money. Businesses only incur expenses. It is only your demographic that makes that gives you money. And so your your passion should be about keeping your demographic happy. Your, your passion shouldn't be about the business. People don't hmm. get that. Business business only incurs expenses. It is only your customers that will tell you if the product or service is great. And they will let you know it's great by spending money on it. That's it so you put your put your effort into the relationship with your your clients, with your demographics. Don't get married to the business.
1: <laughs> well we're gonna break for a very brief commercial uh commercial break some information when we come back uh Haru's gonna give out his contact information and update us on any workshops that he has coming up with his um consultant business and also maybe let us know where someone can come in and get some of those um is it wrong to say martial arts Haru? No no martial arts is fine. <laughs> okay. Martial arts lessons. <laughs> Hang in there with us. Don't go nowhere.
6: The keys one oh seven. We'll be right back.
0: The Fluff are a family of clouds up in the sky Keeping the Earth and so you will be alright They'll get you your ABCs and your Reds, F- you'll be free Fluff will hit the bell, the Fluff will be The Fluff, the Fluff, Fluff presents The Alphabet Fluff is available on Amazon.com And on Kindle, you get your copy today For more information, go to www the FluffFamily.com
5: Rafika Consultants and Services Technology Trainers do you need help making your computer or smartphone work for you whether it's managing your email navigating windows 8 working with MS Office creating videos for YouTube or any other technology need our friendly and expert trainers are ready to help you get it right We also provide public relations and web design project management. For more information, contact us at www.RafikaCS.com or on Facebook at Rafika Consultants and Services. Now, now,
2: now, back to the key. 107 with your host, Rafika and
1: Okay, so we tried to make that one brief, and this show is in particularly sponsored by Rafika Consultants and Services for all your technology needs. And Haru, let's um, let's bring this one home because we know we're only just putting it on the shelf. And we're going to unpackage it at another time because there's always more to talk about when we're trying to help people build their business.
4: All right, so, you know, again, it, it starts... Uh, you know, in the beginning, it starts with that end. It, it's weird. It starts at the end, um, understanding the purpose, the goal, the exit strategy, you know, how you're going to enter, um, deciding what product or service to sell by doing the research, um, you know, figuring out what your demographics going to be, identifying that target market, niching it down as small as you can, creating that value hypothesis, the growth hypotheses and testing, testing, testing once you create that minimum viable product. Um, if you can do those things, it's hard to fail
6: mm. because
4: you won't put all that time, energy, and resources into something that you haven't tested on a small scale. So, you know, it's vitally important that you, you know, follow the steps. You know, um, you know, we only had a short amount of time, so we crammed a lot of information into a short amount of time. But you can definitely, uh, you know, use that information and, and go far. Uh, if you had any additional questions, you can reach out to me um on facebook at insiders group inc that's my page there um you can message me you can write on it on the wall um also have a page there recession driven riches uh which ties to my book definitely run out and, and get the book you can get it on amazon barnes nobles um or you can get it right on my web, website recessiondrivenriches.com um you can email me at haru at com. i'll be glad to answer any any questions that we didn't uh get a chance to get to today And um, in January, I will be having some free workshops. Um, If you email me, you can get into the free workshops. Um, I'll have a few of them in January, and then we'll have a a course, actually, starting in February. So, you know, uh, show me that you're interested. You know, this is my testing phase. I'll know if you're interested if you reach out to me. So if I hear from you, I'll give you the invite, and I'll tell you the, the time and the date, and I'll see you there.
1: Give out the email address uh one more time, Haru.
4: Okay. H E R U at Insidersgroup dot com. That's Haru at insidersgroup dot com.
1: Okay, I just put that in the um chat room for the uh blog talk radio chat room and you can also inbox uh the keys one hundred seven. Uh, you can inbox myself, my uh my co host uh James T. Mohammed or Rafika C. Soris. You can also leave us a message on the Keys 107 Facebook group or the Facebook page. And you can email us at suggestions at Keys 107 networkcom And, you know, Haru, I knew this was going to be a fabulous show and it was just going to flow the right way because I had no technology problems today. Wow,
6: great. (laughs) (laughs) I even have the
1: new... Wave uh, headset on. My my um, son has this son has this headset that, that the light. It has a light, like an ET light, on the bottom of the microphone.
6: <laughs>
1: and I'm looking. I keep seeing this light, and I'm thinking, where's this light coming from?
6: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Can I just I just want to remind everybody to send in your suggestions for show topics. Um, again, yes. I I want you to have, you know, that that interaction in, in regards to creating the, the experience. I don't want to just talk about what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what you want to hear. And so, you know, make sure you just send a little note and say, this is a topic I want to discuss. Um, doesn't matter, you know, if you have ten topics, send ten topics. You know, I'd be glad to uh, you know, try to address those, those questions that you have.
1: Well, my co-host, Brother James, was a little under the weather today, so he needed to um, go and rest, and I decided to just... Allow him to do that because you know when you're married to somebody and you know that they need to rest, just let let them. You have to let them rest. Either that, or you're going to have to have a Snickers handy. That, that is
2: correct. That is very <laughs> correct. But I haven't missed a beat, no, no uh, nor a syllable or a note. So we really thank you, Brother Haru, for giving us a a, a very condensed power pack full of information. That can help us and aid us to be successful in business. So we so much appreciate your 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 candor, your uh, your information, which is so timely. And I'm gonna get right at it. Listening, I listen to your shows at least twice, um, so I can you know per- uh, pierce apart the things that I need to put into our business life and share with our friends who are who are trying to enjoy the entrepreneurial spirit. So we thank you so very much, uh, as usual. It was my pleasure.
1: And as we know, our next show, we probably won't broadcast live um, towards the end of the month, but we encourage you to buy black, to look at companies and services and, and products that are made for black people, by black people, and let's keep it in the community and let's help each other grow And if you have little ones in your family, in your community that are looking, you're looking for a wonderful gift for maybe Kwanzaa for them, the Fluffs Present the Alphabet is just a marvelous journey in learning your ABCs presented to you by the Dot, who is the keeper of the Clouds. That book is available on Amazon.com or you can go to the Fluff family com website to uh, purchase a book for your little one. So we're going to close out now. And again, you can reach us at www.thekeys107network.com. Listen to HRM. We also have the Grants Morgan Show that plays the ultimate in reggae music. And we've got some other shows lined up coming to you in the new year. And we're just happy to be able to present those seven keys that open doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace and happiness. And I we're going to close. give a shout
2: out. I got to give okay. a shout out before we close. Okay. I got to give a shout out to the 10,000 feelers that are uh, are the cause of justice or else who are out there trying to do their best to redistribute the pain and their motto is if our lives don't matter Neither do our dollars. Solid. Mm. So shout out to all the, the 10,000 strong who are trying to do their thing to change the dynamics of economics, justice, and, and peace in our community.
1: Peace. Okay. Well, Gramps Morgan is going to take us out with the song Dream. So appropriate for today's show. Haroon Nikat, thank you so very much, and we will see you in January. Uh, do you have the date for the January show?
2: Uh, actually, I actually had to. Neither do I. <laughs> so, but we will let folks know. Don't I, I worry.
1: Can't, <laughs> I can't bring my <laughs> calendar up, Thursday. but it's, it's always the third Thursday. I'm going to give you that date before I go. No, I'm, I'm going to get it for people. you right now. Yeah, I'm and it is people, going Haru. to be
2: the 21st of January.
1: 21st, the 21st of January. January. All yes. righty.
6: Okay. <laughs> I got that top. Oh, you got the top, Bill? Yeah. I right, take the bass. All right. Let's go. On. On. Let's go. Let's move the style. Hey man, that sure sounds good. Whoa, I like yeah, game. I like that, boy. Really, you really sounds good, man. Hey man, you too,
2: Harry. Hey have man, what bass. about the bass, man? Hey, man. Always, always, always good. good. Okay, I tell you
6: what, then let's do it again. Oh, oh, one more time. Alright, I That's we what we now. still don't me. I still don't care. Alright, come on.